I invite you to open your Bibles to Mark's Gospel. I'm preaching this morning and this evening on two texts which I studied this past week at the Simeon Trust Workshop down in Clifton Park. And I wanted to bring you these messages, which were the ones that were assigned to me as we, together as 35 elders and pastors, studied the whole Gospel of Mark. And this is where I was supposed to zero in on. And so I invite you to read with me as you hear and I speak Mark 4, verses 1 to 20. And again, he began to teach by the sea. And a great multitude was gathered to him so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea. And the whole multitude was on the land facing the sea. Then he taught them many things by parables and said to them in his teaching, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. And it happened as he sowed that some seed fell by the wayside. And the birds of the air came and devoured it. Some fell on stony ground, where it did not have much earth. And immediately it sprang up, because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched. And because it had no root, it withered away. And some seed fell among thorns. And the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no crop. But other seed fell on good ground and yielded a crop that sprang up, increased and produced, some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some a hundred. And he said to them, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. But when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parable. And he said to them, To you it has been given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. But to those who are outside, all things come in parables. So that seeing they may see and not perceive, and hearing they may hear and not understand, lest they should turn and their sins be forgiven them. And he said to them, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word. And these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. These likewise are the ones sown on stony ground, who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it, with gladness, and they have no root in themselves, and so endure only for a time. Afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. Now these are the ones sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word, and the cares of, his wor of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires for other things entering in choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. But these are the ones sown on good ground. Those who hear the word accept it and bear fruit, some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some a hundred. Thus far, the reading 
of God's holy word. Let us pray. O Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O God, our rock and our redeemer, praying in Jesus' name, amen. Jesus tells this parable of the seed and the soils to provoke in our hearts self-examination. Jesus' goal is the glory of God as those who trust him experience real life change, transformation, not just hearing something and having it bounce off, but entering in and transforming a life. For those listeners who are transformed will bring glory to God. Jesus warns us of three ways that our lives can arrive at fruitlessness. And those three ways is that we are stillborn, we are frustrated in our response to the word, or we are distracted from the word. Christ rather calls us to be listeners of God's word who understand and accept it, leading to fruitful living. Now, fruitful living has a pair of meanings, which I would like to put out there up front, because this is talking about much fruit. And what do we mean about fruit in a spiritual sense? Two ways that I'd like to highlight. First is the multiplication of believers, of which we read in 2 Corinthians 4.15, where Paul writes, For all things are for your sakes, that grace, having spread through the many, the many, may cause thanksgiving to abound to the glory of God. That brings God great glory, and that is an example of fruitfulness. An example of that from Jesus' ministry in John 4 is that after he is witnessing and talking to the woman at the well who's a Samaritan, that woman then goes into her town and many come out and believe. And right after that, Jesus says in uh, John 4, 35, that the fields are white for the harvest. You see the harvest language, the fruit language there. And that's an example of f- bearing fruit that is a possibility in our life. The conversion of lost sinners that we know, people that we witness to, friends and relatives, work associates and neighbors who see Christ in us and then hear the gospel from us. Or it's by participation in a church where we see people are being touched for Christ and coming to faith in him. This brings glory to God because it abounds to him when many people give him thanks. The second type of fruitful living is bearing the fruit of the spirit in our character, in our actions which flow from that character. In the context of Matthew 7, 15, Jesus speaks of false prophets who inwardly are ravenous wolves. And Jesus predicts that this inner character of them being ravenous wolves will eventually be shown in their fruits. You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? We want to be good fruit. We want to be grapes and figs. We want to have the love and the joy and the peace of Christ and have that as a fruit in our life. And this brings great glory to God when we become Christ-like. If you want this fruit in your life, 
through influencing people for Christ and through showing them Christ in the way you live. Then listen to this text. And we see in verses 1 to 7, lives that yield no fruit with associated verses from 13 and 19. And then secondly, who is this one who is calling you to hear and to understand? Verses 9 through 12. And finally, in verses 7 and 20, yielding a crop that springs up. You can see it. First, lives that yield no fruit. Here is the frank and transparent warning of Jesus. There are some who hear the word of God, but never experience lasting change in their life. And among these people are people who totally ignore God. They, they never have any interest in God or his word. They never read the Bible or hear the word preached. But there are also those who come to worship services, but don't experience life change, rather staying in the same rut, the same ruts they've been digging for years. These are people who might have some momentary signs of life, but who flame out in the end. And Jesus puts it frankly in the context of chapter 3. You see, he's been dealing with his family. His family is saying, come on out. I know you're in there with these people, but they're not the kind of people you want to hang with. Will you please come out? Come to us. We're your family. And Jesus does not go out. We read in verse number 34 and 33, Who is my mother or my brothers? And he says, Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of God is my brother and my sister and my mother. We want to do the will of God as believers. We want to be those who aren't described as, oh, You can stay out there. I'm right here with the people who know what's coming down with me. And I encourage you today that if you want to do the will of God, that you attend to this parable that Jesus tells right after he has this encounter with his family. I want to ask you, of the three types of soil described that don't bear fruit, what kind of dirt are you? The first kind of dirt is what Jesus calls the wayside in verses 4 and 15. It's the Greek word odos, which means path or road. And it's actually the path itself. It's not the wayside. It's not on the side. It's the path itself where the seed will not germinate because the seed does not get into or under the soil because of the hardness of that path. The seed of the word won't germinate because that word in a human heart is not implanted fully and deeply into the heart of the hearer. In verse 15, in regard to this type of soil, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. Because of the hardness of that heart, the word does not go deep. And Satan is able to take that which does not penetrate and devour it. Divine sovereignty does not negate human responsibility. And we are to blame for pushing God away when he freely offers himself to us in the word of God, the Bible, and in the fellowship of a loving church. We could call this the stillborn soil, specially designed to reject the seed, to reject implantation, 
to reject God by rejecting his word. And if our heart is hard, then Satan is lurking in the wings. He's ready to swoop in and take away that word like birds would devour a seed on the top of a well-trodden path. Now, devour in verse 4, where it talks about these birds devouring, that doesn't remind me of birds as much as it does Satan. You know, the birds I see, they're, they're poking around, and they're looking at this seed, and, and, and then they're looking at that seed. But, but Satan is a devouring kind of beast. He's a beast of evil. He is a horrible enemy of Christ and his church. And you need to realize that when you reject the word, Satan is ready to seal the deal by taking away that word. And you tend to not want to be around the word anymore. You tend not to want to hear it preached or to pick up a Bible You tend not to want to be around somebody who's going to witness to you on their coffee break. And that means you have less exposure to the word. That's the devil devouring any opportunity for the word in your life. And the devil is described as a roaring lion who devours in 1 Peter 5.8. We play a dangerous game when we reject God's word and don't let it in. Because it just doesn't seem to be a convenient time to go to a worship service. Or we reject the word of God from consideration because it seems so radical. Like, repent and believe the gospel. And there's something going on in our life that we don't want to repent of. So let's not be around that message. Or if it seems countercultural, Like, God created man in his own image. Male and female, he created them. And that says something about human sexuality, which is not consistent with what we're thinking and what we're being taught about human sexuality being a a continuum from male to female, and you can pretty much choose where you want to land on that continuum. There's all kinds of things that would lead us to be hard. We would be hard because we just don't like what we're hearing in the Bible. And so I want to encourage you today that when you reject the word, there is that very real possibility you will never be born at all. You are dead in your trespasses and sins. Never is Jesus our Savior. It never happens that we are saved and prepared for heaven, nor prepared for good fruit here on earth. And then there is the stony ground in verses 5 and 6. Some fell on stony ground where it did not have much earth. And immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched. And because it had no root, it withered away. This stony ground is like a rocky slab, a ledge, if you will, which has a thin layer of soil upon it. The seed enters that soil upon the slab. And when there's no depth of soil and no place for the roots to go down deep, all the energy of the endosperm of that seed is pushed upwards. And so immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. There's no room for root development and 
you see a lot on the outside. This could be compared to the person who has a born-again experience with immediate enthusiasm and express commitment to Christ. Testimonies as to what Jesus has done for me with all that excitement of a new experience. But there's no true commitment because there's no yielding to the Lordship of Christ, trusting that he is good, believing that he will carry me through the troubles of life. And so when the troubles come, symbolized by the sun, and explained in verse number 17 as being tribulation or persecution that arises for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. We think of the persecution of these Christians in Haiti. We think of what they're going through right now, being kidnapped. We think of what would happen to us if I was in their shoes. And I want to say to you that this is an example of frustration. This isn't working out the way I thought it would be. This isn't what I signed up for when I trusted in Jesus. Never is Jesus our Lord. Never am I willing to submit to what his plans are in my life rather than my wish fulfillment of what I expected when I committed myself to Christ. We can forget the spiritual character of salvation, that ultimate blessing is in the age to come when we are delivered from hell and into heaven. This person gets frustrated in the here and now and refuses to humble themselves beneath the hand of God and the providences that he brings into their life. To develop fruit is to accept the situation. It's to accept the hardship. And to live into that verse which we just recited. When Paul was told with this thorn in his flesh, probably a physical ailment, maybe he was going blind, we're not sure, but he had a terrible providence. And Jesus said to him, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in your weakness. And so he said, Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. We saw a few weeks ago, that's the Shekinah glory resting on him. That's when we get sanctified. That's when we start bearing fruit. The very things that for an unbeliever, one who is not truly saved, much less not knowing Jesus as Lord, those things drive those people away because they don't accept that God's in charge of sanctifying us even through persecution and through tribulation. And so I encourage you today, don't be found as one who does not have Jesus as Lord because if he's not your Lord, he's not your Savior either, okay? He's got to be your Lord. You need to... Yield control of your life to him and be those who start to show a beautiful fruit of Christ-like character even in the midst of trial. The third type of soil is the thorny ground. 
verse 7 and 18 and 19. This is the soil that harbors seeds of a divided heart, not fully devoted to Christ. Never is Jesus my all in all. Verse 7, some seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no crop. When we first behold Jesus, when we first behold our desire of what Jesus would be like, we can tend to forget that trusting Christ, hearing his word and accepting it, is based on the reality of who he is in space and time, not just what we need at that moment. That his priority in our life is that we would be led to holiness, being set apart for his service. That's what the concept of holiness was, that it was a set-apart people of God who became like God for his service. That's when we start bearing fruit, because we're set aside, all that we have and are are his, and we are meant to steward it for his glory. But sometimes we think that becoming a believer is primarily about our happiness and sort of a ticket to heaven. And I want to encourage you today that I believe that being a believer will lead to an abundant life. I do believe that in the long haul, you are going to be happier trusting him here on this earth than if you lived your own way. So don't get me wrong on that. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. But if your target and your goal is simply your happiness and your satisfaction, you're going to bypass the holiness that leads you to happiness and then leads you to heaven. You need to put the holiness first. The willingness to be set apart in painful places. Don't impose upon the Savior, our Lord and Savior, expectations that are coming out of your heart alone. Jesus said, he'll say later in this gospel, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Forever would lose his life. Whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever will lose his life for my sake and the gospel will save it. It's for Christ's sake and the progress of the gospel that we are meant to live. These expectations from Jesus' lips regarding our future path with him teach us the reality of cross-bearing as the normal Christian life followed by receiving the crown. Verses 18 and 19 make sense. If we're demanding immediate solutions to every earthly problem, if we're demanding wealth beyond measure, if we become covetous of others and their situation and allow desires for other things to reign supreme, these desires will choke a fledgling relationship with Jesus and can possibly kill it, proving that we never had a relationship with the living God in the first place. We just wanted a God of our own making. We had this little slot in our heart that we were prepared to put somebody in there if he made my life right. And we just grabbed onto Jesus and plugged him in. But the Jesus we grabbed was not the Jesus revealed in the gospel. 
So easily do other things in life crowd out Jesus. Never is Jesus our all in all. Now who is this one who's speaking this parable? And who is he coming to meet us today? I'd like to tell you first, he is the living word, he's the friend, and he is the king. He is the living word. He spoke this. He in his own person is coming to us today to declare this parable into our hearing. His Holy Spirit is here speaking through the word. And he wants you to get this message. He wants, secondly, to be your friend. He wants to be your friend. And it says here in verse number 10, But when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parable. And he said to them, To you it has been given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. That mystery is a secret revealed now. It's not some mystery like the game of Clue and you're figuring out who killed who in the parlor. It's not a mystery of esoteric, Gnostic, uh, uh, false religion. It's not some mystery about the new age and getting your vibe in the right direction with the correct vibrations. It's a secret now revealed. And here's the secret. Jesus is the king. He has proven it by doing miracles, and he is preaching his word. That's the secret. The kingdom of God is present in the person of Jesus. It's present in the preaching of Jesus, and it's present in the power of Jesus. You got the secret. And he's saying that to them because he says the secret of the kingdom is given to you, and he is there as your friend. You want to know something about Jesus, come to him today. He wants to tell you more about it. That's why coming to church is a more than once a week, you know, once a month option. <laughs> There's more to hear. There's more to talk with brothers and sisters in Sunday school or in your home or on Wednesday nights. You see, this circle is the people who wanted to know more. They didn't get it, and so they asked. The others were saying, I'll move on. I can move on. I don't really need this guy. He, you know, he's a bunch of hot air. I'll move on. But these guys wanted to figure it out. They asked him about the parable. Do you want to figure it out? Do you want some solutions in your life? Do you want to be good fruit rather than the stillborn fruit or the frustrated fruit or the distracted soil? You want to be one of those good soils? Come to Jesus. He's your friend. And he's also the king. He is a sovereign king. He is a king, which we have to sort of gulp and swallow this, who does not intend some of the people to get it. That hearing they may hear and not understand, seeing they may see and not perceive, lest they should turn and their sins be forgiven them. The sovereignty of God includes this directive that people on the outside who can't get the message of the parable are meant to be in that place. And that's a tough word. That's a difficult truth for us to accept. But it is the message of the Bible that God has chosen his people. And he is bringing people, not on their time frame, but on his directive. 
never hear a message like this and say, well, I'll think about it and maybe at Christmas time I'll think about it some more. No, there is an urgency about this. You need to come into that circle around Jesus now and get the explanation now because tomorrow may never come. Come to this one who is your living word. He's speaking this to you. This seed, the sower sows the word, verse 14, is seed coming from his mouth. In the preaching of his word, Jesus speaks to you. He is also your friend. He wants to give you personal attention. And he does that through the church and through other means of Christian friendship. And he is the king. Come to him that you will know his lordship in your life. So I ask you to consider this last type of soil that yields a crop that springs up. We read here in verse 8, but other seed fell on good ground and yielded a crop that sprang up, increased and produced, some 30-fold, some 60, and some 100. This is what we call end times language. This is language of multiplication. It, it doesn't mean you're going to necessarily like lead 100 people to the Lord, although there might be soul winners out there who, who have done that. My brother Steve touched thousands of people in his ministry in South Glens Falls. And so I'm just saying to you that this is end times language. This is getting on board a mission and your particular part in that mission, we don't know exactly. But be part of personally winning people to Christ or be part of a congregation that's seeking to touch the lost. Be part of a, of a larger body of believers that, that blesses God with glory by bringing hosts of people to the cross and to the empty tomb. And I want to encourage you this day that your response in hearing, your response in hearing the word is going to be a response of hearing it, of understanding it, and then verse 20, of accepting it. I'm going to accept your word. I'm going to accept the whole Bible. I'm not going to pick and choose among the texts I don't like. I'm going to accept the whole Bible and its truth about humanity and its truth about salvation. And this posture of hearing and understanding and accepting is the only way to getting good fruit in your life. If you're like someone on that path, their hardness just swats the word away. And Satan is pleased to just cooperate by stealing that word. And maybe you think that the gospel is your own personal timeshare agreement, where you're arranging in advance for a timeshare in heaven. When I went to Disney World, we saw these signs, get discount tickets to Disney World, but the cost was like two hours with somebody on a golf cart that I didn't want to see again in for the rest of my life. Maybe I was supposed to witness to him, I guess. He didn't let me have a word in edgewise. I'm just saying, don't do life as a timeshare. Like, I want to have that spot in heaven, and I'm, 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 I'm going to take it. 
No, if you're offended by tribulation and persecution, if you're offended by the lordship of Christ, and you won't go beyond a personal surface commitment, if he's not your Lord, he will not be your savior. And don't be among those who are distracted, where everything is more important. The distractions of this way of this world, the beliefs of this world, the desire to be accepted by this world, so that the truth of this word is ignored compared to what the world is saying. Jesus needs to be your all in all. And we're going to sing that in a moment. And I want to ask you today whether you would receive that in your heart. That Jesus is your all in all. Come, dear friends, you who seek understanding. Jesus calls you a friend and so do I. The elders and the deacons, the elders' wives, the deacons' wives, mature Christians in this church, they're sitting right here. They want to talk to you. They want to be a blessing in your life. And as you hear and understand and accept the word of God, the fruit in your life will be seeing people saved and seeing your own character conform to Christ. And Jesus shall be your Savior, your Lord, and your all in all. Let us pray. Send your spirit today, we pray. Give us grace to believe and believe completely this word which Jesus spoke. You are king. Break through the walls, the hardness, the distraction, the irritation that we feel when things aren't going our way. Oh, Lord, you are a loving friend and savior. We love you. May your love be shown to everyone here today. In Jesus' name, amen.